2: Just gonna die if they don't bring the designated hitter to the National League.
3: We got fresh <laughs> frozen strawberry margaritas, and Carrie's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. <laughs>
4: like, let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, you can find them
3: wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me as always is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode, I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball, and if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well that's awesome, thank you very much Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here, and... Hey guys,
2: welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. One day late, sorry about that. We had uh, scheduling issues. Thank you as always for joining us. I am Amanda. Um, Follow me on Twitter and also follow my Fuss Budgety co-hosts. Uh, Nick and Ryan. Ryan is not with us right now. It's just Nick and me tonight, and then Ryan may join us later if he can. Um, Make sure you follow us all on Twitter. Find us at the Half Street High Heat account, and you can get all of our individual handles there. Make sure you also check out the website at www.halfstreethighheat.com. There's a new article out there, very timely today, about our uh, prospects who are in big league camp. Quite a few of them made their debuts today so we'll talk about that a bit later in the show also make sure you check out the youtube channel the rundown with half street high heat and uh that should get you started if you need something else we'll have another episode for you of course next week after this one how you doing nick
5: pretty good uh it's weird you know we pushed it back one day and it feels like forever since we recorded
2: i know it's weird but we go five days between the other ones so for some reason this one feels strange but
5: yeah it does um Yeah. Also, weird without Ryan. I feel like I have like a huge load. It feels like you know I'm Trey Turner and the Nats let Anthony Rendon walk or something. So yeah,
2: it's just like that, isn't it? Well, we were just talking about one of my kids is still awake and she was just in here, so maybe we can get her to be our third tonight. She's five, but she does like the Nats. So I mean, if that's really the only requirement, then
5: (laughs) yeah, that's true. I was just saying before we recorded that, you know, it took 98 plus episodes, 98 plus a a couple lost episodes to uh, finally get to talk to your kids. So I don't know what you're hiding them from because I think Ryan and myself are great influences.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. If I need to teach her how to be a Twitter troll, you guys will be my first phone call.
5: Uh, That's more Ryan's expertise. It
2: is really more Ryan's expertise. If you just
5: want her to be correct on everything in her life, then you come to me.
2: Yes. And also humble. (laughs) You'll be my first call.
5: I mean, if you're correct on everything, why be humble?
2: That's true. Yeah, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way.
5: That's Uh, that's what I say.
2: That's exactly the point.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad someone gets it.
2: (laughs) I know, I know. Finally, somebody understands me. (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> took so anything time.
2: exciting happening this week? I feel like last week's intro with all the dentist talk was probably our worst one ever. I feel like we yeah, can probably do better than that.
5: Definitely going to avoid going to dentists. <laughs> it, it's weird. I, I know it's same vein, but different. Uh, both my cousins who I'm staying with... Um, they had orthodontist appointments this week and one of them got Oof. her braces off so
2: oh off is a good orthodontist appointment that's the only good one yeah that's but funny. it was
5: just like we talked about dentists and all of a sudden like everyone's going to you know <laughs> that doctor ish dentists aren't a doctor but you know they was they're, they're weird timing. teeth
2: doctor well i have exciting news which is that i am getting my vaccine tomorrow at noon super excited
5: Nice. Are you uh, ready for the uh, side effects? You know, hoping coughing, not to he- headache, uh, <laughs> buying Microsoft products, stuff like
2: that. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, I'm hoping I'm getting the Johnson & Johnson one.
5: Oh, so cool. it's a one shot. Just one shot. Yeah.
2: Just one shot. And um, yeah, so from what I read, hopefully it has fewer side effects than the others, but whatever. I'm willing to deal with whatever side effects there are to get the process over with. So very yeah. excited for that.
5: I am. Good looking stuff.
2: forward to getting some semblance of back to normal again
5: oh yeah for sure oh, and the, i have
2: both my mom and my brother who are high medical risk so it's it's going to be very much a relief to feel like we're on the road to getting able to hang out with them more normally
5: yeah um and just because that sparked something in my memory that i forgot to add to the show doc um you, you want to talk about our thoughts on a. Uh, no fans at Nats games for the yeah, time being. Yeah,
2: we probably should chat about that. You know, the only team in baseball. Really? And, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I get the whole, and I saw a statement that came out a little later today after the kind of uproar happened this morning and, and yesterday. And uh, the mayor's medical advisor, I'm not sure what the title is because I don't have it in front of me, but basically said something like, you know, it's not the same thing having – Schools and restaurants open, those are small settings with small groups and large crowds are a bad thing, even if they're outdoors. And I still just feel like it seems a little silly, like you can do it without having people in large crowds. People have been doing it safely in all different sports all around the country. I mean, you have to be careful and you need buy in and you have to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. But in a, in a stadium that holds 42,000 people, the idea that you can't have any number of people in there safely is, is a little crazy to me.
5: My thing is, and I know Ryan will echo it, um, like, one, this wasn't a surprise, just considering, you know, if you look at what DC's been doing and Mayor Bowser Bowser has been doing, you know, this this whole time. Like, it's not really that big of a surprise. Yeah, like, the Nats are the only team, but it's not like the Nats are also the most progressive team. Uh, That was just, you know, a jab at the Nats because... Mm. (laughs) <laughs> just because, even though it wasn't their decision. Um, and also, I, the statement that came out today, for those of you who didn't see it, basically just said, for right now. Like, they can revisit the issue, you know, in April, May, like, whatever, but it just right now, there's no fans allowed. My big thing, not my one big thing, my big thing about this <laughs> My big is, thing
2: about this topic.
5: Like, stop acting like you're so you know, oppressed because you can't go to a baseball game. It makes no sense.
2: Like, yeah. And I wouldn't go anyway, honestly. Like, right. And that's I wouldn't my do- thing.
5: Like, I, I, get I
2: love it. it. I miss baseball. I can't wait to get back to the stadium, but I'm not
5: going right now. I, but- I get it. Like, I, I 100% get it. But like, don't act like your rights have been taken away just because you can't attend a damn baseball game while the t- pandemic's still going on. Like, I don't care if you're still being smart about it or whatever. But like, there are. You know, you've seen you know games that have been live where you know fans have been allowed, and you you literally point out, at least I do, the fans that aren't wearing masks inside the stadium.
4: Well, mm-hmm. You see it
5: every single broadcast. Like it doesn't matter. Yes, they're socially distanced, blah blah blah. I'm not even trying to get into that, but like the the outrage on Twitter for fans not being in the stands, like. Get over it. Like, just get over yourself. I
2: think it's, I think it could be done safely to some extent. However, it's not something high up my list of outrage.
5: (laughs) Like, I I agree. I
2: can't get that worked up about it, I guess. Yeah,
5: like, it can be done safely. And I do expect fans to be at Nats games at some point this season, but don't act like it's the worst thing to ever happen. Like, I get, you know, our lives have been sucky the past year, but, and, and this, this would help, but like come on. Like this was to be expected. So stop pretending like it's the worst thing to ever happen. It just, I couldn't believe like how, just how much outrage. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, I would like to see something where, and not just in DC, but I just mean more generally in different municipalities. Like if, if you have a bunch of restrictions in place, I'd love to see some level of when cases reach X level, whatever that level is, then we can reopen. It's the, the indefiniteness of it. It's the, unending, not knowing when it's going to be over kind of thing. I think if you say to people, when we get to this threshold, whether it's this percentage of our population is vaccinated or our cases are below this number per day or whatever that threshold is, I think if you set something that people could say, okay, this is a target we can aim for and know that there's light at the end of this tunnel i think that would go a long way i think these kinds of decisions it's been going on for so long and the arbitrariness of it i think is hard to take
5: i mean i think it would be i'm sure they do have like a target in mind whether it's you know number of reported cases or just But how they much, don't
2: share that publicly you know like well, share
5: well, that. that that was going to be my point like don't share it because they reserve the right to you know determine like If let's say their their number was number of vaccines administered, well, that's not necessarily factoring in the number of reported cases. So just because they hit, you know, just some arbitrary number for vaccines administered. Well, you know, everyone's going to say, okay, open up Nats Park again when really cases might be on the rise. So, like, I don't think they, they don't have to share that number.
2: Yeah, I just think, I think that you would have a lot more buy-in from people if you didn't make it so nebulous, is all I'm saying. Like, and maybe the case is probably. I mean, we've been in a
5: pandemic for a year, and like COVID is just as bad as ever, if not worse. And Texas, Florida, they're all opening up. So it doesn't really matter if you're buying in or not. Like, people are just going to do whatever they want to do. They've been doing it this whole time.
2: Yeah, and I'm actually super curious to see. I mean, it's, you know, I don't want to get into the into the weeds on the argument of who should open what when but yeah i am curious to to. see in these places where they're opening all the way up i you know from a purely um intellectual standpoint i'm very curious to see what happens with the cases because it's definitely a little (laughs) nerve-wracking
5: yeah i mean i we'll see and you know we're kind of getting away from it but i don't see like one i didn't see it as a surprise and two i don't see it as a problem like it's going to open up
0: Yeah, it will happen.
5: And like most of us and most of the people who are outraged aren't going to go to but one or two games anyway. So hopefully by the
2: time they open it all back up, will a lot of us will have been vaccinated and be able to be able to go to games and feel comfortable doing that. Because I'll tell you, it feels weird, like to even think about being in a crowd again. Even, even once this is, like, over and everybody's vaccinated and you're not worried about COVID, like, it's just going to feel weird to be in a crowd of people again after all this time.
5: Yeah, I don't remember where I was, but there was a lot of people, and I was just like, I am so uncomfortable right now. Yeah,
2: I was somewhere, it was just like the store or something a couple of months ago, and it, like, all of a sudden, there were just, like, a lot of people around me, and I was like, whoa, everybody needs to back up.
5: Yeah, like the amount of social anxiety that has stemmed from this is...
2: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be crazy. All right, so that was a bit of a tangent, but um, let's go do our um, Weekend Review brought to you in part by Chili's and Nick, because Ryan's not here.
5: Whoa, what was that? Was that Zelda?
2: Oh, I forgot to mute my phone, and yes, that is the uh, my text notification sound.
5: Oh, that's pretty cool. I appreciated that.
2: That's not only Zelda. That is the best sound in Zelda where you find the secret treasure chest. Oh,
5: yeah. Oh, pfft, I know. The best. I, I, I'm well aware. I was a kid once. Yeah, not
2: everybody picks up on that. I don't get that many people who know that Zelda.
5: <laughs> well, that's because you're, you know, Tom Brady age and people don't know.
2: Literally. Tom Brady's
5: age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Uh, Even though it is the midweek in review, there's still some notable news going down. A couple of injuries, as we always see this time of year. The Astros' Framber Valdez, who had a breakout season last year, fractured his ring finger on his throwing hand, so he is out for the season. The Astros are reported to be in the market for all pitching replacement options. Speaking of pitching, the Twins are essentially out on Jake Odorizzi, who is the best uh, free agent remaining after the Brewers signed Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> junior. junior, Jackie, Bra- I was com- combined uh, Junior and Brewer there. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. to a $2 million, oh God, I cannot talk right now. Wow. <laughs> Two-year, $24 million deal with a club option for next year, or excuse me, a player option for next year. The Red Sox signed Danny Santana, thus expanding their Um, Swiss Army knife, a player with Kike Hernandez and Marwin Gonzalez, the D-back signed Anthony Swarzak. And according to reports, the MLB and MLB Players Association have not had any talks on the DH or expanded playoffs before this year. So it looks like at this moment, we are going on as normal, basically.
2: That should be fine. Yep. It's probably fine.
5: <laughs> and that's it for your mid review. Please stop by your local neighborhood Chili's, get a strawberry margarita, and tell them Nick sent you. This has been your mid-weekend review.
2: All right. So still quite a few signings going on, even though we're in the middle of camp now.
5: Yeah. Uh, it's. I'm surprised Odorizzi hasn't signed yet. Because like we've seen a couple of guys kind of get paid over their expected price. Like... Um, God I can't remember Charlie Morton got a lot, but I mean that was wasn't overly surprising. drew smiley that thank you. Well, I said thank you to myself you're um, welcome. I'm glad <laughs> I can help <laughs> uh, he was one that signed that one was surprising, like Taiwan Walker signed late, but he still got the got the number he was kind of projected towards so you know this was a little surprising, considering Odorizzi Rizzi was like that the top of that tier two. Yeah, if you had told me
2: there would be, like, if you'd said, hey, who do you think is still going to not have a job two weeks into camp, he wouldn't have been on my list.
5: Yeah, especially, you know, considering pitchers and catchers reported, like you said, two weeks ago, you would have expected him to, you know, have signed somewhere, even if it was just a one-year deal. And I know that's not what he's trying to go for, because I'm pretty sure he did that last year. I think it was a qualifying offer. But so, you know, the fact of the matter is the CBA and, you know, all this stuff going on just makes more sense to take a one-year deal for some guys, but, you know, doesn't mean he it's impossible to get a longer-term deal. So I don't know what the holdup is, but I'm also not hearing a ton of, like, interest on him. Like, I know the Phillies were kind of talking to him. The Twins basically just told him goodbye, like, we wish him the best is what they said. So they're kind of out on him. So it's like every team could use him, but no one's really in on him.
2: I keep thinking at some point he's going to be willing to take a cheap enough deal that some team's going to be like, we can't not take him at this price. You know, like there's no way he's just not going to have a job. That seems crazy.
5: It's also, we're recording on March 4th. Like he, you know, is kind of running out of time and he's I not know. going to get a long-term deal kind of mid-season, I don't think.
2: No, no. But definitely wouldn't have expected him to be jobless on March 4th.
5: Yeah, that, that's probably the most surprising part but if he's waiting for the deal he thinks he deserves all the power to him
2: absolutely okay well speaking of guys who do have jobs let's talk about spring training so um we're a few games in now we've seen a bunch of the regulars make their spring debut Soto's played Zim's been playing we've now seen some new guys um Bell and Schwarber who both look pretty darn good We'll get into that, and uh, today we saw some debuts from our prospects, um, and I mentioned at the top of the show that there's a new article out on the Half Street High Heat website that goes in-depth into the prospects who are in camp. Make sure you check that out if you haven't already. It's, it's a, a good primer on those guys, and uh, gives you a little bit of an idea of what you're watching. Well, not watching, because we have Masson.
5: But <laughs> well, it was on course. ESPN today, if you couldn't yeah, tell. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, I tried to watch it, and all they did was interviews. I was like, I would love anyone to talk about Jackson Rutledge's fastball. Anybody? Can anybody, like, make a comment about anything that's happening on the screen?
5: Yeah, that, that was kind of rough to, to sit through. I mean, I appreciated, like, Juan Soto and Francisco Lindor, but, like...
2: But it's fine to have an interview in there once in a while. It's a spring training game. But literally, the whole game, they weren't talking about the game. It was... I did not enjoy it at all. And I was like, we get one televised game, and this is what we have to watch. We don't get any talk about the Nats at all.
5: I mean, it's just like a typical ESPN broadcast just because you have A-Rod on there. So no matter who's playing, you're going to get Yankees talk. And, you know, they're going to talk about whatever they want to talk about. ESPN. And i had to take a work
2: call and i ducked into my my office at home and then i walked back out and i'm still i'm like surely they're talking i was on the phone for like 15 minutes and i come out and i'm like they must be done with these interviews by now and i come out and they're talking about aaron boone and i was like what's happening right now this, this is a nats mets game
3: yeah
5: that, i mean that one i like partially get because the news just broke today or yesterday or yeah today. that he was
2: getting out of the hospital and, and he's
5: a former espn guy so like i get that but don't linger on like Yankees talk like the Yankees and Phillies were playing at the same time the Yankees were getting blown out and they were showing I felt like they were showing highlights of that game more than the game they were actually broadcasting
2: yeah it was definitely rough I did not really I was so excited to, I literally blocked the time out in my calendar today so that I could be sitting on my couch to watch the game and I was just like you didn't get any talk about any of the the kids who were making their debuts today. I mean, it was just, I did not enjoy the broadcast at all. I mean, there are bigger problems in the world, but I thought it
5: sucked. Yeah, I agree. Um, but as far as, like, the actual game went, um, so, you know, we have to talk about it, but Victor Robles has been doing his job at the top of the lineup, and I know it's only been, like, three or four games so far, but if he can do, like, what he did today, he only had, I don't know if he had a hit. I don't think so, but he got hit by pitch and he walked twice. Right. I mean, that's so on base. That's I don't care how you for. get there. <laughs> right. Like he can hit, you know, 240, 250, but if his on base percentage is, you know, 370, then that'll be fine. And uh, he stole a bag today, if not two. So, you know, he, he's doing, you know, what he's supposed to be doing. And Soto's only played one game, but he hit second and Trey hit third that game. So it mm-hmm. seems like this is a very real thing. It's no longer just talk, um, you know, when the, the idea was first presented. Trey Turner literally audibly laughed at the idea of hitting third, but now this is the reality the Nats are in. Yeah.
2: And actually I got to say, I love it. If this can work and Robles can be a serve, he doesn't have to be spectacular. If he can be a serviceable on base guy, the idea, we've talked so much on the pod about how they didn't really go out and get that bat. They needed to hit behind Soto. If Trey is that bat, I'm okay with that.
5: Yeah, I agree. Um, Obviously it, I'm not not trying to be you know pessimist, but a lot of it depends on Trey continuing his success from last year because Trey has had problems similar to Robles, where he swings at horrible horrible pitches. Um, so if that starts being the case, then people are going to start pitching around Soto, and then you might have to shuffle the lineup a little bit. But yeah, you know if things go according to plan, which is you know what the Nats are trying to do right now, this is you know a pretty like good looking strategy as far as what you have obviously it definitely could be better i wish that we did have one more power bat specifically a right-handed power bat to insert into the lineup um but you know if this is what we're rolling with this is probably the best possible option should all options reach their full potential if that makes sense
0: so and i have
2: to say if bell is doing really well he's an option that you could move around a little bit with the top four you know It, it depends on how he's going but you know, if he can have that bounce-back year we've all been talking about, he gives you a lot of – he gives Trey some protection in the lineup.
5: Yes. Yeah, cer- I mean, certainly, it's just I'm not – like, I, I'm rooting for Josh Bell. I can easily see myself becoming a huge Josh Bell stan. It's just that swing, man. And I'm not, like, claiming to be an expert, but, you know, I know hitting
3: – It's a long at swing. Least at, at, <laughs>
5: at least at a very basic level. And yeah, that's a long swing. And I didn't watch him, you know, too much in Pittsburgh. So I can't say what his problem was. But if I, if you told me Josh Bell had a problem and I had to look at a swing to identify it, that swing is super long. And we talked about it last week. So, you know, we don't have to go into it too much, but I'm afraid like I, I'm not going to put too much stock into spring training. Some people put a lot of stock into spring training. I'm not one of them, but I would have hoped that that swing looked different coming into camp so now if we do or if he does make any adjustments it's going to be you know he's
2: trying it out at the beginning Yeah. yeah well i have to say now that he's in kevin long's hands i'm sure that's something that they're working on
5: like but again you would have expected that to have already started i mean the trade happened christmas eve
2: yeah yeah well we'll see i have high hopes because we all know what he's capable of but he's got he's going to have to find that swing.
5: Yeah, listen, if it if it works it works. Like you've seen some wacky swings be some be from some of the best hitters in baseball. So I'm not like entirely discounting him. The dude's super talented. It's just, you know, we have seen him experience some rough rough stretches in the past. Mm-hmm. And I just can't help but wonder if that current swing is the big reason the biggest reason as to why
2: well, he's gone deep a couple times already in three games.
5: Yeah, I mean, but again, I'm not going to I'm not going to be the one to put too much stock in this spring training. They're facing a lot of guys, a lot of fringe guys that mm-hmm. are vying for the roster and these young guys and we'll talk about it, you know, with the four nats prospects we saw today. A lot of these young guys, they've gotten by on their stuff and they haven't really had to pitch. And what I mean by that is if you throw, you know, Ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine, 98, 99, triple digits, you are going to, you know, have success at any level, just plain and simple. Like uh, Cavalli's first strikeout today, he missed his spot badly, but it was a 100 and in, and the guy just swung through it. So, yeah. like, that plays, but, you know.
2: If you throw that 95, that doesn't An
5: experienced hitter like Josh Bell or Kyle Schorber or Ryan Zimmerman, who's gone deep twice, they're not going to be as forgiving as, you know, some, you know, college player or high school player. So it's just like it, it's, it's promising that he's not missing and his timing's good, but, you know, he's not facing real pitching yet. It's like, you know, you're looking at things like timing and, you know, how they look. And uh, for pitchers, you're looking at velocity and stuff like that. So I don't really care about the stats right now, but and he has looked good, so it's promising. I don't mean to be so pessimistic. Yeah,
2: it's a well. I know you don't mean to be. It's just your nature.
5: <laughs> this is true. I'm trying.
2: I'm trying. I know. No, you are. No, I know you. You definitely. I become
5: self-aware.
2: Yes, you're. You are Skynet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I, I tend to kind of. I don't know. I think it's the having been a born and died in the wolves. DC sports fan, I always tend to look for the like, yeah, but, you know, what if this goes all goes terribly wrong? But I have to say, I've been encouraged so far by what I've seen. Torbers looked pretty good. Bells looked pretty good. Again, it's not against real competition yet, but I'd rather see them look good than look bad. Right. So, you know, and Zim, you mentioned, has hit a couple. I think he's played in two games and, um, homeward in both of them. He looks, I got to say, he just looks pretty natural for a guy who didn't play any baseball last year and from his own. Um, interviews. He's basically said he didn't really do much baseball related at all.
5: Yeah. While and he was
2: off and he, he seems to be right back to it.
5: That was one thing that was always mentioned, but one thing we didn't really talk about just because the last time we saw was him, it, w- it was pretty rough at times to get through. Um, you know, this year off might have done him, you know, wonders. Like when's the last time he's gotten this much time off? never yeah all those
2: injuries and the the plantar fasciitis and the the shoulder stuff and maybe he's just had a chance to heal a bunch of things he never had a chance to heal right
5: like before he was always rehabbing and maybe he rushed it especially in 2019 when you know you know your team's like on a run going deep into the playoffs obviously you're going to rush back from injury so maybe it was always just he's always rehabbing when when he's not playing and you know maybe he's rushing back in certain situations so he never had the time to heal so it that's a big possibility I'm not gonna you know the dude still can't throw that's not gonna change so he's the
2: first baseman we don't need him to
5: throw no I get it but like <laughs> we still just need to temper expectations like I'm glad he looks good I'm not gonna be you know super down on him just because of what I've seen in the past but you know it, it's promising yeah, but for it's your backup first baseman
2: I'll you know for the big
5: backup he first matches, baseman lefties, if that's all he does this season I'm fine
2: yeah me too and i'm glad i hope we get some fans in the stands at some point to revisit our earlier conversation a little bit because the idea that he still hasn't been able to get the love from the fans after that world series run just sticks in my craw
5: i've never heard that i would have a you've doctor never heard look at that
2: sticks in my craw you've never heard that expression
5: yeah i would have a doctor look at that
2: <laughs> it's an old expression people know this you guys when you listen to this tomorrow, which will be the 5th, make sure you tweet at Nick and tell him that that's a perfectly common expression. He just doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh,
5: That won't happen because nobody knows what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So our next topic on the show doc here is that the future is now. We got to see Cavalli today. We saw Rutledge pitch. Henry and Cronin all made their debuts for the Nats in spring training today. Which is pretty cool. Not that anyone talked about it while it was happening on the broadcast.
5: This is true. Yeah, so it, they pitched in that order that you just said. Cavalli was first after Finnegan was the opener. And Finnegan uh, got picking deep first batter of the game. So, you know, great. He's my
2: breakout candidate. Yeah, ooh, I was going to say
5: great, great juju from Amanda's uh, breakout candidate.
2: Uh, I won that poll, um, though. Just throwing that out there.
5: Yeah, you picked Josh Bell.
2: Yeah, he's going to have a breakout year. Last year was bad. This year he's breaking out. He's okay. going to fix that swing.
5: Even though he's already broken out, so whatever and he um, needs but... to break out again. <laughs> it's not the way it works. Um, Cavalli, though, he you know he's a like as rookie as you get. You know, he was just drafted, so this is really his first experience with the team in any capacity. Um, he looked rough and, and nervous, but that's to be expected. Um, but that stuff is good and it plays. He missed his spots pretty frequently, but it was very good, so it didn't really hurt him too much. Um, so it's kind, he's kind of like right where you expect it's a super high upside talent, uh, for, for a pitcher. And he's ranked number one in our system for a reason. And like I said, he's right where you expect him to be that that stuff will play. He just needs to refine it. Like it, it reminds me of the situation Tanner Rainey was in, what, two years ago, where mm-hmm. that stuff was dirty. And if he could just reel it in as a control. Yeah, saw you just have to control it. Yep. It, it makes a world of a difference. So if Cavalli can do that and hell, it might even be this year, but I would probably say 2022 at the earliest, um, you know, that stuff's going to be pretty damn good. So. Uh, the, yeah,
2: I'm excited. Promising. Like I said, he, he definitely looked a little nervous and like he wasn't fully in control of his pitches. But you're right, the 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 stuff is there. And I'm excited. I think that the comp with Rainey is a really good one. Rainey, you could see the flashes where you were just like, wow, if he can figure it out. And then when he started to figure it out, he became a really big asset. And I'm hopeful that Cavalli will work out that same way.
5: Yep. And as far as Rutledge goes, uh, I, believe, I can't remember if it was a single or a walk, but he gave – uh, he let the first batter on but then he immediately picked him off at first which was pretty cool cuz you don't really see that from a righty. so um and uh, if i'm not mistaken he faced the top of the Mets order so i think it was Ni- yeah it was nimmo who got picked it off was nimmo so, so it wasn't off. like you know some guy who just got too big of a lead because he was trying to steal a base and make the Mets roster it was like their everyday left fielder so that was that was pretty encouraging to see from Rutledge that you know he has a good move and he doesn't uh, get too in his head after you know allowing the first guy on. But then after that, he looked great. Um, yeah. And the comp I have for him reminds me a lot of Lucas Giolito, and that's not just because he's another, you know, highly touted Nats prospect. But another
2: that, tall right-handed pitcher. Right.
5: But that arm cycle is exactly the same. And once I tweeted that, I'm pretty sure OPT tweeted that out, like them a side-by-side because I asked him to once upon a time. I don't know when I would have seen Relage pitch before, but – it is almost a mere image of how short that arm cycle is. And the benefit of that is it's just harder for hitters to pick up the pitch coming out of the, the uh, mm-hmm. pitcher's hand. And he's hand. quick to the plate. Right. So that's huge for any pitcher. I mean, people hate John Lester notoriously because he is so slow to the plate. I, people, I mean, catchers. Catches our people, um, so like the fact that Rush Rutledge is quick to the plate and he's so young, that's only going to help him going forward. And like I said, he looked really damn good. He looked better than Cavalli, in my opinion. But you know, the yeah, he's a little more a
2: little more those. seasoned too. But you know what I loved about this was the pickoff move. I just I thought the fact that he's up here making his his spring training debut with the big club and he's comfortable enough, natural enough, not thinking too much to just go to his pickoff move when he saw the opportunity. I thought said a lot about kind of who he is on the mound. You know, even in a situation that most guys are very stressed out and nervous, he just kind of did his thing. And, and uh, I was impressed. Yep. I was impressed with his stuff. I was impressed with the pickoff. I, I have very high hopes. And if he turns out like Giolito and gets to stay in DC, that's just perfect.
5: <laughs> yep. Um, as far as the next two, uh, you know, they're young, and they got rocked. I mean, Cronin didn't really get walk- rocked, but he was not sharp. I'm pretty sure he walked three in two-thirds of an inning. So he wasn't sharp. <laughs> not but, great, Bob. <laughs> but, I, again, I'm not going to put too much stock in it because, it, one, they're young, and, two, a lot of nerves their first time out. So, you know, not going to rush the judgment on them. But Henry did not look good. Yeah, he didn't look good, but he gave it the grand slam to uh, Pete Alonso. Um Because, again, as I said earlier – you know, young guys try to rely on their stuff. Henry's trying to do 97 right down the middle. Pete Alonzo is not going to miss that. So, no. Uh, he, he that got, guy he gets got a, a welcome lot of bombs. To, yeah, he got, he got a welcome to the show real quick there. Um, uh-huh. But the, the story today was definitely Cavalli and Rutledge.
2: Yes, so it was definitely fun to fun to get to see all of them, and hopefully maybe somebody will take pity on us and air another Nats game sometime between now and the beginning of the season.
5: And now, heaters, we are moving on to our NL Central preview, continuing our division preview series, and we are joined by a special guest today, Zach Silver of MLB.com. He's a Cardinals beat reporter, so he's going to shed some light on the Cardinals and the rest of the NL Central. So listen in. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and we'll catch you on the flip side. All right, we are joined by Zach Silver of MLB.com. He is a St. Louis Cardinals beat reporter, and he is joining us for our NL Central preview as we break down the Cardinals and the rest of the division. Zach, how are you
0: doing? Doing well. How are you guys doing?
5: Pretty That's good. Great. Thank, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, so you just got back from Florida. That's where I am right now. And Amanda is stuck in cold weather, so we get to rub it in her face all day.
0: Yeah. Cool. I'm not back, back in that life, so I can't do it too much, but you can move it in our face. <laughs> we'll do
2: it enough for both of you, don't worry. <laughs>
5: um,
0: so I guess we
5: can start with the Cardinals since they made the biggest move of the offseason, obviously Nolan Arenado to pair with that already good team. Um, Zach, for some of our listeners and for ourselves who don't follow the Cardinals and the rest of the NL Central uh, as much as obviously you do, what's some um, storylines to watch with Arenado and the rest of the team?
0: Yeah, I mean, with Arenado, it's kind of just how high can he take them? Um, it's not going to be all on his shoulders because I think kind of part of the, the benefit of trading for a guy like him is that it not only gets, you know, an all-star superstar on your team, but it allows – it takes pressure off some of the other guys in your lineup. So I think kind of the acquisition of Arenado hopes to unlock Paul Goldschmidt, Paul DeYoung, a lot of other guys on the team who maybe had struggle, maybe had tough years last season, hope to take the pressure off them or like a rookie like Dylan Carlson, hope he doesn't have to do too much. And Arenado can kind of not be like a meat shield per se, but just be someone who opposing pitchers spend more time preparing for and attacking where are trying to work around. And then a lot of other guys in the lineup will get um, pitches in the zone, stuff to hit. Um, Mm. Obviously he is the main, he is the main benefit of trading for him, but there's also a lot of ulterior benefits that they're kind of hoping to, uh, to uncover by trading for a guy like him. And I mean, defensively it's pretty clear what he brings um, I guess some other things that you know, or to keep an eye on for the Cards is their pitching staff. That he can't really do much, and he can do a lot, but he can't pitch. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they do have a pretty solid rotation, but there are some question marks. Um, and it's really just a, it's a matter of if they can if they can stay healthy and you know a decent amount of older guys on that rotation. Um, and then you also have Jack Flaherty, who's hoped to be an ace, but he is coming off a tough year. Um, so Really, it seems like they are the team to be in the Central, but, you know, like all the other teams, they do have some question marks, and the Brewers have made some moves to kind of fortify themselves, especially the last couple days as well.
2: Yeah, speaking of question marks, what do you think about the departure of Colton Wong and what kind of impact you expect that to have on the team?
0: Uh, That was definitely, just from a fan perspective, a tough one to swallow because he was such a favorite among the fan base. Um, He was a great defensive player. Uh, He and Paul DeYoung were kind of seen as one of the better defensive middle infield pairings at the double play uh their double play prowess are just we're just very robust um but i think they are confident in some of the other options they have to replace him at second base uh, you know if you asked me a week or two ago i would have been pretty much deadlocked that it's going to be tommy edmund but stuff has changed and matt carpenter is kind of seeming like he's going to compete for that starting second base role um with a dh kind of looking less likely he that's kind of his only in to get into the starting lineup because mm-hmm. He can't play out. He's too old to really play outfield anymore. Or at least he's not, he doesn't intend to. Um, and Tommy is, I don't know how much you guys know about Tommy, but he's a very utility guy. He played. He's played six positions over his first two seasons. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Colton is definitely a big loss just from a stalwart perspective. He was a leadoff man for, for a while, but I think they do feel like now they have kind of no opportunity for Tommy Edmund to kind of really grow into his own. And we'll see if that's in left field or second base to start the season.
5: Yeah, definitely options there, and as with the Nats, I I think I feel—I don't know how you're, uh, how you feel about the universal DH, but having no DHs here hurts a team like the Nats, and I can only assume for someone like Matt Carpenter who would have fit perfectly in that uh, DH spot. I think it kind of creates a a little bit of a—I don't want to say problem, but little different situation to handle.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the DH is obviously a lot of teams um, would benefit from it. I think, you know, the Braves, especially, when you look at a team that has a player on their roster that kind of fits the mold, Marcelo Zuna.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think the Nats even, you know, with the Kyle Schwarber, it wouldn't hurt them to have that opportunity just to play him there. Um mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's just some guys who provide a lot with the bat, but they're defensively a little bit questionable. But Matt Carpenter himself has taken a lot of reps at second base this this, uh, this spring so far. And, and he, can, he can still play third. He played a lot of third last season. Um, but he was—I mean, he's been an all-star at second base in the past. So it's not like he's completely learning a new position. He's more just kind of refining what worked for him in those those few years. Um, so I think they, the Cards, especially, have not been preparing for the DH. Um, but if it does come, and even Carpenter said this himself, that it would be a welcome surprise.
5: Yeah. Um, and then one thing that I don't know how many people um, have noticed this in the past, but. When you know, we saw Goldschmidt traded to the Cardinals a couple of years ago, he basically signed an extension immediately without even ever having played a game. And then, obviously, Arenado still has his opt-out, correct?
0: Yeah, he has two opt-outs, actually. He has one right. after this season and one after the following season.
5: Yeah, so two opt-outs, but the, the potential for a long-term contract is there. The Cardinals have been somewhat notorious for kind of locking up those guys Uh, matt holiday comes to mind he signed a long-term extension after being traded there is that something the cardinals tried to do when they make these huge acquisitions to kind of lock them up for more than just the remainder of their contract whether it be one year or whatever however long and you know with a team like the Nats trying to be competitive for you know 10 years now you look at the cardinals they've been competitive for as long as i can remember uh, is that a, a mindset they have, a, a strategy they have, or is that kind of just like a case by case basis?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, in some ways, it does depend on the player. I mean, if they trade in for a rental that they see as just a rental, they're probably not gonna, you know, put their full bore into locking uh, him up for you know some odd years. But when when they did trade for Paul, I mean, I wasn't around the team at that point, but there is a sense, and there is just a very palpable feeling around the team that they believe their culture and what they do on the field and in the front office and the, the talent they surround players with that when they make these deals they make them kind of with the the notion that it's not just a one-term deal mm-hmm. um you know nolan he does have those two opt-outs but the the club basically feels like he's not going to exercise them and he said you know we'll see how things go after a year or two but he said when he first got introduced that he plans to stick around for a long time and He's talked a lot about the Cardinal way and, and stuff in his past that, um, you know, he, he like he came to Bush Stadium years ago as a member of the Rockies with Troy Tulowitzki and how Troy told him to basically look at how the cards conduct themselves and their routines and see how meticulous they are. Um, so I, I do think the Cardinals, you can call it arrogance if you want because they are a very proud organization, but um, they do feel like when they make some of these moves, they're not just making it for a one-year, two-year deal. They're, they're making moves that, are going to bring a superstar to town for a while, and and you know Goldschmidt is a superstar in his talent, but just at least his personality and and his play, he's a little bit more reserved. So you know you could say this is one of the bigger superstars that St. Louis has had. I mean Yachty's kind of losing his superstar status a little bit, but he's also a big name. Um, but you know this is like one of the bigger names that have come through come through St. Louis since I guess Matt Holiday. But I'd say maybe Nolan probably edges Matt in, in some of his just accolades.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Yachty, that was the next question I had for you is talking about the Cardinal Way and long-term players. um, Did you ever have any doubt or was there a feeling in in St. Louis that there was any question that he was coming back? Because as it dragged on, I was starting to wonder if he was actually going to sign elsewhere before he finally came back and signed a new deal with the cards.
0: Yeah, you kind of started to get that feeling when he was saying things in the public eye like, oh, I might retire if I don't get a good offer or, you know, starting to get leaked out that there are other teams that were – um, showing interest and competitors like even, I think he might have been linked to the nats for a little bit. Um, Everybody
2: was always yeah. the bridesmaid we are here in DC right. um,
0: So I, I think there was maybe some concern towards the beginning, but especially when Wainwright resigned it seemed pretty inevitable and Wainwright himself had some offers out there from you know what he said was for more money and from competitive teams as well. Um, so I think I do think there was, maybe a mild concern but generally just in the in what was meant to be i guess is that he was going to return and you know the two of them definitely said that their preference was to return to st louis if it was going to work out logistically and you know it would have it would have been a pretty tough look for the the team to not bring those two guys back based on everyone else that you know mm-hmm. was getting signed this offseason you know, even if just for a one or two-year deal i think that you know they, they call them their legacy players and it would have just been a very awkward season to see either of them
5: in a different uniform yeah that's one of my big things and we have it with ryan zimmerman um and i don't think there's ever uh concern that he would finish his career in a different uniform but um yadi and wainwright for that matter are two players in the league that would just look super super weird in a different uniform so yeah, i
2: almost can't even picture it
5: so. yeah even though i have no you know rooting interest in the cardinals i'm part of me is glad to see them stay with the Cardinals because I just didn't want to picture that. Yeah,
0: uh, I can't see I can't see Zim going
5: anywhere else in his career, honestly. Yeah. I, I, yeah he
2: I, literally, I think, just wouldn't play before he would go anywhere
5: else. Yeah, basically. He's even pretty much said as much. He said he basically turned over his uh, leverage and negotiating power by saying he's the only thing for the Nats. <laughs> he's so. just
2: going to wait and say, you know, if they, if they have some – space left under the tax threshold at the end they could be like, here's twelve bucks, you wanna come play? Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> Basically. All right. So <clears throat> looking at the Cardinals and looking forward to this season, what is your kind of win projection roughly for them?
0: Um yeah, I am have to asked that a few times. Um it's 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 a hard it's hard to to say. Um I've said in the ninety to ninety three range is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I'm going to stick to that. I'll give them. I'll say I'll go 92. Um, but I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it kind of depends on what the rest of the central looks like. Cause I could see it being a dog fight and no team getting, you know, past 91 wins and it just being an absolute slog, or I could see the cards running with it or the brewers maybe running with it. Um, you know, so I, I, I do think it's the cards division to lose. Uh, I think the Brewers have made some nice moves to fortify, but generally I I think the Cubs are just too many question marks and too many uncertainties, and the Reds have a good lineup and a a top two in the rotation that kind of is, I'd say, probably better than any in the NL Central. But, um, yeah, I I, I still just think it's it's the cards to lose, especially after last season and how few moves teams made in the Central this offseason.
2: I would just like to point out how diplomatic that was about the Reds and how you didn't even mention the Pirates. Which...
0: <laughs> well, it doesn't do me much. To, That's how to we say talk
2: about you. the Marlins around here. We're just like, "And eh, the Marlins exist." Well, but, I mean, like, they, they did make the playoffs. playoffs last year. <laughs> I know, but playoffs. like
0: I can't say that, unfortunately. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Amanda,
5: what's your uh, thought on the Cardinals this season?
0: I'm going
2: 89 to 91, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I... on the
5: wins. I had them in 92 as well. It seemed like the NL Central for the past couple of years has always kind of been like a pretty close race down to the wire. I mean, the Brewers kind of snuck in last year due to the uh, expanded playoffs, but it seems like it's always close. But I think, you know, in my, uh, you know, untrained baseball mind that the Cardinals are going to have a little bit more separation this year. Um, but obviously things could always change with, you know, the deadline and injuries and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to a team we talked about, the Brewers, um, we talked about Colton Wong, and they've made a couple of low-key additions, they just signed JBJ, but Zach, what's your opinion on the Brewers, and how big of a threat do you see them to the Cardinals in the NL Central?
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to ask me one team that I think is a threat to the Cardinals, it is the Brewers, because you know they barely squeaked in by the skin of their, their, their teeth last year into the postseason and then floundered out, but... You know they still have some players who are really great players, like Christian Yelich was not Christian Yelich last year. No, no. And if you're gonna ex- if you expect him to be at least a semblance of what he was the year before, then that's a really dangerous lineup all of a sudden. Especially you know you have Lorenzo King coming back, and I guess he, it remains to be seen how he can how he plays after a year without playing. Um, but even some of the rest of their their lineup, Kesson Hira is is making a move to first base, and he was pretty pretty good in 2019 and he was one of the guys who you know you can call it a short season and and make i don't know excuses the right word but you know it's a tough year for a lot of players he was the kind of guy who kind of fell down a little bit last season but if you're hoping that he's a semblance of what he was in in 2019 then he's going to be another threat in that lineup and you know like you mentioned they've just traded for jackie bradley jr who isn't as good with the bad as he is in other areas especially on you know Especially in, in in center field or right field or wherever they're going. to – I mean, I don't know where they're going to put them, so that's a question. But I think the Brewers themselves I mean, the rotation, Brandon Woodruff and and uh, Corbin Burns are great. So mm-hmm. I think they have the highest upside maybe of any team in the in the NL Central. And um, but if you know, I, I just I, like I would say the Cards have the highest floor and the Brewers have the highest ceiling. Yeah,
5: I can can agree with that because in 2019, obviously the Nats saw them in the wildcard game, but that whole month of September, people forget Yelich went down and the Brewers played better. So yeah, that team looks a little bit different, but you know, it's, I guess, same culture and a lot of the same pieces outside of Yelich as well. So, you know, I, I would agree with that. Amanda, what, what are your thoughts on the Brewers?
2: Yeah, and I, the reason that I had the Cardinals maybe only reaching to the high 80s and wins is the Brewers. Um, I think they're always scrappy. They've got a lot of, they've got a lot of good players and I just can't see Yelich having as poor a season as he had last year. I think he's definitely due for a huge bounce back. So I, you know, yeah like we were just talking about him being going down in that you know 2019 season and I always think to myself if he hadn't gone down with an injury he's not in right field for that wild card game and the Nats probably aren't hoisting the World Series trophy yep. that year so yeah I never root for anybody's injuries but I'm very grateful for that particular one because I, I don't think they win the World Series without it but yeah we
5: um, needed so, to donate to his charity or something
2: yeah something I feel like we owe him one yep but, uh, yeah, I've got them being the, you know, the only other team. Right before you joined us, Zach, we were talking about, you know, what we thought for the division. And I said, you know, the Brewers might be the only team I could see challenging. However, you know, their pitching really is nothing noteworthy. We were like, who who do you even think about when you think about their pitchers?
5: I, and not...
0: I, in my defense, I did forget about Woodruff. So he,
2: Yes, he, but one guy does not a pitching staff make, so... Yeah. yeah I mean Burns Burns was great last year he got injured
4: towards the end but he was you know on track for a sigh um you know uh, caliber
0: kind of
5: Yeah I forgot about year. him too he had a nice little stretch yeah, They just there.
2: don't seem like they've got enough depth um you know pitching is it's funny because with as Nats fans and Nats podcasters you know we talk a lot about how they're built for pitching that's the way they've built their their winning clubs is on the backs of their starting pitching and not all clubs do that and um i don't know you just kind of think you look at that you look at the brewers and you don't think of that as a strength for them so yeah. I, I do think that the the cards probably have the edge but if anybody's going to take them down i would say it's it would be the brewers
0: right and that i mean that's totally valid i mean we talk about like Christian Yelich last year having a terrible season in a short sample, but you could make the opposite argument that everyone. (laughs) Well, you could make it the opposite way for like Corbin Burns had a great year, but it was a very short season. Who knows in the second half of a regular year if he just was going to get absolutely shelled? And I mean, before last season, he hasn't been the ace that he was. So, yeah, I think there's there's valid questions with if Yelich was as good or as bad as he was last year, then it goes the opposite way for a lot of players, and the Brewers kind of have a few candidates for that
2: question we've had a policy on this podcast through the through this season that if it supports our arguments we use the 2020 season and if it doesn't we say it doesn't matter so
5: <laughs> yeah i
0: can't argue with that
2: <laughs> That's It's worked the way we do it's it it work
5: pretty well for us yeah. uh but yeah i have the brewers uh i have them right there probably in like that second wild card race should a team like the mets who are projected to you know do pretty well this season fall or you know the Nats not get there i think the brewers might be Right there as well, um, Zach. Going to a team that I find to be one of the most interesting in the league, just because their direction doesn't really make sense to me, is the Cubs. Um, you know, they won the World Series. You're an enigma. <laughs> yeah, not too long ago, and they've gotten worse every single season since then, um, which is crazy to me. And now we see kind of—I won't say that the page completely flip but obviously Joe Madden gone. And, you know, we first whole season with under David Ross, who obviously was a part of that team. Um, what are your expectations for them and how competitive do you think they can be this year, but also moving forward?
0: Yeah, I'd say they're probably like a, a junior Brewers where they have some upside. And if, if some of the players that they have, like if Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo and Jason Hayward, like if they play completely to where they're sort of expected as in Javi Baez, to where they're where they've been in their track records like I think it could be a very good offense the pitching I'm not too concerned about I mean Kimbrell was pretty has been had a rough go since he's gotten to Chicago but yeah I, I think they have the makings of a team that can compete but I just I just see them as having too many too many question marks to be answered and and kind of papered over without like any serious additions I mean They weren't a great team last year, and then they went ahead and traded their best pitcher. So, and they didn't sign John Lester back, as you guys are aware, I'm sure. (laughs) We (laughs) are
2: indeed. And that's actually why I find them so baffling because if you're going to, I mean, first of all, how many players can you send to the Nats? But, you know, they've, they're, Darvish is gone, Torber's gone, Lester's gone, um, you know. Jeffers is gone. They've they've let go of so many people that you go, oh, okay, they're they're packing it in. They're in a rebuild, but then they don't trade Bryant, who they've got a ton of interest in. So you, I just feel confused by them. Like, what are what are you trying to accomplish? You're not trying to compete. You haven't made any moves that indicate you're trying to be competitive in the Central this year. So, what are you doing? And if you're not trying to be competitive, why not sell off the other, you know, good pieces? You can get some value back for. So it just seems like they're they're in. I guess the best way to describe it would be a half-assed rebuild.
0: Yeah, you kind of wonder what they're going to do. I mean, Chris Bryant has been in so many rumors, and you're wondering what's what are they like? Are they going to trade him, or are they going to try and keep building around him? I mean, now that now that Theo Epstein's gone, I'm I'm curious to see how Jed Hoyer takes over and and what his vision for the team is. But it doesn't seem like the Ricketts family really has much desire to build around this current core, and that's fortunate for Chicago because you get one World Series out of this great dynasty it would be a huge stretch but these there's this great core of players and uh, i guess they're it
2: should have enough. been a dynasty i think
0: yeah i mean they, they were a great team and they were going to the deep in the playoffs year after year but i think it's kind of unfortunate to have one world series appearance out of this group
5: yeah we definitely would have expected more from them you know if you had asked any of anyone in 2016 who the next great team was going to be everyone was going to say the cups just because of the core and the how sustainable it projected to be Um, you know Amanda kind of touched on it but I was just thinking as as I I heard you you know talk about Theo Epstein's departure and Jed Jed Hoyer taking over I think part of it was Jed Hoyer's first move couldn't be to ship Chris Bryant out of town I don't think that would have been his his best (laughs) start but should the Cubs get off to a a rough start and um, you know we get closer to the deadline do you think trading Chris Bryant is in the cards for them?
0: Um, yeah, it might be. I, it's hard for me to have, like, I and mean, I'm not really connected to the Cubs, but right, I, right. I could see, I could definitely see that happening, and we've seen, you know, I don't, I didn't exactly expect a Darvish trade to, to come right. about. Oh, real. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, I, like I said, I, kinda, I think it kind of depends on what the Ricketts family sees for this club, and, um, you know, if, if they want to, Still try and stay a lot, stay above water in the central. Then I, I maybe they hold on to him for a year and a half. But um, and, and I know that I know he's been linked to the Nats year time and time again. But Rizzo is always. Oh, we'll, a, we'll take him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Please let let us manifest that into existence.
0: So you guys aren't you guys aren't Cuban believers?
5: Uh, well, for the purpose for the purpose of a Chris <laughs> Bryant trade, yes, we are. Um, so that way the Cubs believe in him too. Yes, exactly.
2: We will trade you straight up. You can have key boom and we'll take, we'll Uh, take Bryant. Yeah. And by the way, Nick, I liked your, um, is it in the cards? Was that a, was that a cards pun for our cards? You know,
5: I, I I thought that after I said it and I was like, "Eh, I appreciate it. It It's just like a little nod to myself. I did. (laughs)
0: All right, <laughs> oh, I made that pun many a
2: time. Yes, I'm sure there are more. The, the hand puns are a little bit out of control around here right now. Nick almost blocked me on Twitter the other day because I wouldn't stop with the hand puns.
5: So. Yeah, I definitely was not going to give her a hand for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the Cubs are going to be a 500 team. Like They'll probably be in it for a while, but I think they're kind of just going to fade in compared to the Brewers and, and Cardinals. I,
0: yeah, with I, could, I could easily see that happening or I could also see that them making a run so it's yeah this of, is true like, like Amanda said, they're
5: very much yep um so going on to the next team which had a great what 2020 off season, and then kind of gave up after six games is the Reds and I enjoyed the Reds at first because they were a small market team going all in trying to compete and that's so rare. Few and far between this this uh, this day and age for small market teams, um, but Zach, what do you expect from the Reds? Because a lot of the pieces are still there, even though they did lose Bauer and uh, Raziella Iglesias.
0: Yeah, I think they still have the. I think they still could be very competitive. Um, their outfield is very solid. Nick Castellanos was, was very good last year, and their infield as well with with Moose and uh, Vado. The ageless wonder, and and Eugenio Suarez is trying to hit. I think he said 40 to 50 home runs again. Um, so you know if that offense is connecting, then that's a great offense, and it could really take them into a competitive maybe second wild card. Um, but I think I'm not 100 percent sure. I think they were one of the highest strikeout teams last year, and 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 with the wild card series against the Braves, I mean they. I don't think they scored a run in the nope. first 21 innings or something of that series.
5: <laughs> it was rough,
0: right? Yes. So they're they're kind of the one of the more modern makeups of a team where you know it's either all or nothing, it's home run or nothing. And I think for them that's just going to be a little streaky um, and might not be sustainable enough. You know, if they had a better pitch, I mean, they have like I said, they have two great heads of their pitching staff, but after that it really drops off. Um, and you know their bullpen could be solid. Um, you know, we'll see how Doolittle does out there. It's going to be fun to, to watch. But um, otherwise, you know, I, I just don't think they're they're deep enough. Whereas the cards like they feel like they even though they have some question marks, they've had they have better depth than they've ever had to answer some of these question marks. And I just don't see a team like the Reds kind of being able to ring that bell. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I think that's all you know very well said. And, you know, we are Doolittle stands around here. <laughs> Yeah. We love Doolittle. However, um, we talked a lot last year about... We were realistic. The year before. Realistic yeah. in that he his velocity is, is badly down, and he doesn't really have an effective second pitch. And, you know, an, an 88 to 90 mile an hour fastball doesn't really play, even though it, it has good movement on it when he's throwing it well. So I don't know that that did as much to, as much to bolster their bullpen as people are hoping it did. And um, Suarez is obviously a huge upside for them we actually when it became clear that rizzo was not in serious talks for chris bryant we have been begging for eugenia Suarez over here too because as you just mentioned we're not feeling too keen on kiboom being actually the guy.
5: yes we are yes we are yes. just so we can trade him
2: just so we can <laughs> trade him so we'll see we'll see what he does in the spring but um yeah we're all just feeling a little unsure about kiboom on this podcast in general and that can he be the guy that he was touted as when he was you know, the top prospect in the system. So we'll see what happens, but I don't think the Reds have it in them to make any kind of a run at the central. I think there's, there's too many holes. They do have some nice pieces, but it's just not a complete enough team to be competitive.
0: Yeah. I I think that's kind of the story with a lot of these central teams is they have, like, you almost at this point wonder if the other three central teams, not the Brewers and Cardinals could form a team that would compete with the Brewers and Cardinals. I think they could, (laughs) but I just don't think either of these, I don't think the teams alone have enough, um you know gusto to really
2: just need uh, to expand those rosters a little bit make (laughs) that work
0: right
5: uh but you know to the previous point basically if you're a third baseman in the nl central nats fans want you yes what it comes down to like even arenada like we're you know I know you're you're a Cardinals beat reporter, but we're, we're hoping he opts out and we, we somehow get a shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: We're just third baseman, third base starved over here since Rendon left. So just yeah. bring us a third baseman.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, even Brian Hayes on the Pirates. I mean, I know. Yeah. I got a little flack for for not mentioning the Pirates, but I'll give the Pirates a nice mention. And Brian Hayes seems like a you know Rookie of the Year favorite at the onset. So he's I mean he's just so fun to watch. and do so much and it's so you know, flashy, not flashy, but, you know, just it, it, just exciting. He's, he's, he's like a ball of energy, and he can do everything. So that, I, while I'm not too excited for Pirates-Cardinals games, I am excited to be able to watch Hayes for that. Well,
2: sold. We'll take him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> See, we're easy
2: on third We Just bring bring him to us. Bring us yeah. all the third basemen. It's
5: fine. Basically, if an yeah. organization believes in him, we want him, because that's kind of been questioned at times with the Nats and to keep him. Um, but, Zach, you beat me to it, because the way we do it, when we get to teams like the Pirates – um, or the you know the mariners the 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 rangers like the teams we cover that don't really have a lot of uh, <laughs> lot to root for this year we, we play a game where we just have to say something nice about them and you already did so you're ahead of the game uh, my nice thing about them is that they play in the best park in baseball so you know that that's got to count for something i guess yeah that is
2: nice yeah i was, that was going to be my nice thing but i guess i'll say thanks for josh bell
5: <laughs> there we go All right. um, Zach we'd like to end on kind of a fun question but I did have one question that I meant to ask and I just wanted your personal opinion on it how big of a believer are you in the cores effect and do you think Arenado's stuff will still play that he's outside of cores for 81 games
0: yeah I think it's a valid concern for some players but I think he is uh, complete enough in that he you know, he's not he's not a huge splits guy in the sense that he's not like he's you know, he, he does have better road number. he does have better home numbers and road numbers up to this point in his career, but uh, one of my colleagues, Mike Petriello, has written a very lengthy kind of story about the course effect in Arenado and you know, you mentioned Matt Holliday as a guy who has gone from course to Bush Stadium and while his home numbers started to lower, his road numbers started to increase. So I don't think it's of great concern, especially with a guy of r talent. You know, there's a lot of concern with DJ LeMay. who left Colorado, and you can make the argument he's only gotten better since he right. left. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't, you know, I don't think there's any worry whatsoever within the organization. And, um, you know, I think they believe in Nolan enough that he's going to make those adjustments. And um, at the at the end of the day, not, there's no worry about his defense because the ball doesn't really get impacted by the altitude when it's coming at you that fast it's going to hit you or you're going to catch it so um i think no i think i don't think there's much internal or external concern about cores for him specifically yeah
5: i just wanted to say thank you for that because when the trade happened and everyone was reacting and you know our, our point was well if that's all it took to get arenado then why the heck were the nats not in on it um but people sure. were saying oh arenado he's you know basically going to suck outside of cores and i just you, know, crazy. You, you just have to laugh. So I just wanted to make sure that the Cardinals were, you know, of the of agreement that Arenado's stuff is still going to play. So just had to get that out there and you know put a little point yeah, in my, I mean, my column.
0: What, what would the what would a Nats equivalent of this trade look like? Like what's who's the Austin Gomber that's like the young decent pitcher who would go? Would it be Joe Ross maybe? Like who would? I could see yeah. Joe
5: Ross. Uh, I mean, our to- two top prospects are Cape Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge. Um, I, Cavalli is like l- – he, he was, was ranked just last 90- year. Yeah, he was yeah. 99 on the top 100. So, I don't know off the top of my head where Gomber was.
0: In, you know, he was? know, the- well, no, that, but that's what I'm saying is that the, the Cardinals didn't give up any top prospects.
5: Right. So, yeah, I – Oh, we don't have any, so that's good. Right, it's (laughs) like the the Nats' top prospects could be like any other team's, like, seventh best prospects. So, I mean, the last, dead last in in farm system rankings. So, it's kind of tough. I could definitely see Joe Ross um, trying to think. who else? I mean, Cole Henry, you know, he was just drafted last year, but, yeah. I guess what
0: my my point was, like, how, if this was an open secret that that the Rockies weren't giving up this much, like, how could... 28 other teams not have been on it along with the Cardinals. I, I it's just a little mind-boggling that there wasn't enough. Like it wasn't any competition. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it
2: makes me wonder if maybe he wanted to go to St. Louis because maybe they just called St. Louis. Maybe they didn't make it a common knowledge around the right.
5: league that they yeah, were they were fair. willing to do. Because he,
0: he had a no trade, right? Right. He did. He did have the no trade, so he did have as he did have as much of a say as he could have. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, there's no indication, in, and it hasn't become public which teams he did or, would not have approved, but yeah he maybe it was his choice in the end
5: yeah, and yeah. De- definitely a little uh nice uh icing on, or cherry on top that they threw in 50 million dollars with it you know yeah
0: like i
2: would have taken him off your hands for 50 million dollars <laughs>
5: Yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly uh all right zach last question for you uh and you know you being a dc guy we, we, we kind of talked about this because you're familiar with uh the the you know Tribula- trials and tribulations with Masson. Um, is there any way we can arrange some Nats-Cardinals games in spring training so we can actually see a Nats game for once? Uh, do you have any pull in that regard?
0: We are getting one tomorrow, although I don't believe it's going to be broadcasted. The problem is with all with all the games, all the Nats-Cards games, they're going to be, you know, the cards are broadcasting a, a slight uh, amount of games, but they're all going to be, you know, through MLB TV. So unless you have that subscription, you're going to be kind of uh, – you know, on your own there, but um but yeah, no, it's it's unfortunate, and I mean, the
4: cards have the cards are doing a decent amount of games. I think they're doing twelve, about half their
0: games on TV. um But I wonder yeah, what that's like. Yeah, that's that great. must be nice. <laughs> I listened
2: well, to the think- cards broadcast on the radio the other day because I use the MLB app, and you can listen. and I had the cards when the
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it's unfortunate, but. Um, you know, I think I saw the teams in LA are doing all 29 games of their spring training. Oh, and that's, that's so awesome. jealous. Yeah, what's that like? I, I,
2: I can't imagine. And I know Nick said that was the last question, but we have one more for you. We touched a little bit on which teams would be helped by the DH, but we have a pretty vehement disagreement on this <laughs> podcast about the DH. So I want to know: Are you a DH guy or a no DH guy?
0: Um, I am a hybrid, and I'm that's such a cop out. I know, but such a cop out. I like. <laughs> I do like the idea of, well, okay. If you're gonna make me choose one or the other, I'm a no DH guy. Yes. I no no no. He's the, a
5: hybrid guy. Don't don't put him in a bottle, Amanda. We'll, <laughs> let the man speak.
0: I enjoy the strategy that comes in the NL that doesn't really like. It just feels. It feels like the NL like, for lack of a better analogy, like the NL manager is playing checker or playing chess while the AL manager is playing checkers. Like it just feels like two completely different strategies with having to work around a pitcher with pitcher spot coming up or not having to that being said if I could if I was commissioner and I could make a change I would probably do the hybrid that's been floated around where you have a DH to start the game but when your starting pitcher exits the game then you are on your own and, and the pitcher spot now becomes uh, you know the pitcher so um, I, I, I do prefer the strategy that goes into the NL product but um i wouldn't be opposed
2: to a hybrid model i actually we've talked about that hybrid model yeah before. i love that and hybrid it, model if there has to be a dh that would definitely be my preference versus the the traditional al dh situation there is now but the dh is an abomination and i hate it so
5: no, you yeah, that just doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> well that zach thanks for coming on uh everybody can go follow zach on twitter at zach silver zach with a k i might add Zach, thanks so much for coming on. I hope to talk again in the future.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. All
5: right, big thanks to Zach Silver for joining us running through the NL Central uh, teams as well as the Cardinals. Um, He was very gracious with his time. Great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed that, and we're hoping to get more reporters on to cover the rest of the divisions and the teams as we finish up our division preview. But you can follow Zach on Twitter at... Zach Silver. Zach with the H. want to make that clear. Follow I thought it, you right? said
2: with a K. You said with a K before.
5: No. Uh-oh. No, I said with an H. You said with a K. No. I said with an H.
2: All right. Check you're, you're, not,
5: you're, you're not getting in my head. <laughs> All
2: right. You're, you're in your own head.
5: In head. I said <laughs> not with a K. Not with a K. Right as I'm about to do the ad read, you get in my head. Come on. Just. God, damn it. Eaters. <laughs> that interview was brought to you by Manscaped. Just like we are expanding our game, Manscaped is expanding their game. We talked about the refined cologne. But if, if we're being real, there's not much Manscaped can't do for you. We talked about the lawnmower 3.0, the cologne, like I just mentioned. We have talked about the, the shears, which is, you know, your, your um, tweezers and your nail clippers and a nice little to-go pack. They, they have it all. Like If if I'm just being real, the Crop Reviver spray-on toner for your balls. Soothing aloe, which hazel extracts, gives your balls a little, nice little boost. They even throw in the, their travel bag if you buy the uh, the Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with all the above and the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. Uh, they have the, the super comfy boxers, which I try to wear as much as I can. I clean them, but I try to wear as much as I can because they are the most comfy thing ever i mean and like i said complete your top to bottom grooming game with a refined cologne like there's nothing that you know they can't do for you they have it all and half street high heat is helping you have it all go to manscape.com use promo code hshh20 for 20 percent off and free shipping everything no exclusions, and that's what I love about Manscaped the most. They do not try to rip you off. They want you to take care of yourself. So does half straight, high heat. So go to manscaped.com, treat yourself, just buy it all, okay? Nick's telling you, just go buy it all because you will not be disappointed. I have yet to try a product that I have been disappointed with. We just got um, the nose hair trimmer, nose and ear hair trimmer. N- nice. I-, I never thought I needed to trim my nose hairs, but I feel better that I did. And you, that can be you too. Go to Manscape. Use our promo code today.
2: That's good advice. Thank you. All right. So what we have left is our last segment, which is my favorite one. Twitter questions from you guys. Um, we've got one, two, three, four tonight. Uh, let's start with at BlackPearl696. Which Nats player has the most game at the bar? Oh, this is a good one.
5: I'm surprised we haven't been asked this before. Because yeah. like, this is a really good question.
3: This was... This was not the question I was asked on Twitter. Um the question on Twitter was which one of us has the most game at the bar, but Oh,
5: I mis I misunderstood it.
3: Yeah, so for answering Nats, the question, sorry, the answer is 2020 2021 NL MVP Trey Turner. <laughs> um, because he's perfect at everything he does, but if I'm being honest um juan soto all he has to do is say i'm juan soto right. and it's just perfect like the guy's he's charming he's got a great smile he's funny it's juan soto even though he he's just now old enough to legally drink so he has been that did you think he just
2: murdered him. someone on twitter while we were recording
3: did you guys catch that i did he he hit him with the 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 ring and the wink see he's using the wink emoji he already knows what he's doing
2: yeah, I'm true. very impressed, especially for a guy who has, like, I've been trying to learn Spanish for, like, two years. It's really, really hard to learn a second language, and he is so natural with it and so good already. And, like, he's – the hardest thing is being sarcastic and, like, getting into all of that in a second language, and uh, he's he's owning it.
3: I he mean, uh,
5: yeah, he can just go back and forth between languages and has that seductive technique. <clears throat> Not that he needs it
3: because he's freaking wants out, and he just right, exactly. he does whatever he, he wants. Have seen how he reads? Like the strike zone, he's out there. The man can speak thirty-five languages.
4: <laughs> yes, he smart
3: speaks, as hell. He, he's fluent in every love language, baby. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> yeah he's bringing
3: Latin back.
2: Bringing Latin back.
3: Latin is no longer a dead language. Wants <laughs> it now. Got a green.
2: Now, are we doing like? Does it have to be a current
3: NAT or can it
2: be any NAT
3: from? Um, I say any. Okay, because I feel like Brian Dozier probably would have had some game at a bar. Oh, my God. What is everyone's love obsession with Brian Well, Dozier.
2: because he's funny and he seems like a guy who likes to party, That's is true. all I'm saying, That's is true. at a bar. Well, Amanda, I think Amanda he would does
3: have... like the wild ones. That's yeah, true. you know
2: me. So wild. Yeah. Yeah, I don't the know the last time I was in a, in a bar. In,
5: yeah, he's the one you find in a bar in Tijuana, so right <laughs> yes.
2: up Amanda's alley. We don't need to talk about bars in Tijuana. Let's just get away from that.
3: Amanda, Amanda likes her guys twerking.
2: <laughs> Let's just say... What's that? What was the quote? When I was young and irresponsible, I was young and irresponsible. Just leave it at that. All right. Moving on at on the pod someday. What's up? Monty says keep extend for life. Cut Cavalli Rutledge Henry.
3: Um, I don't believe in prospects. So
5: (laughs) if we're going off today, I'm um, keeping Cavalli extending for life Rutledge, and cutting Henry. But yeah, this this could change. This could change tomorrow. That's right, we all. have
2: only one game sample size to go off of from these right. guys. so
5: Yeah, didn't Giolito cruise through his first four innings and then he got rocked every single time after that, like when he was up with the <laughs> club. So, you know, and now he's like a Cy Young contender every, every single year. So, you know, you never know. You
2: never know. All right, and you don't believe in prospects, and so we get no answer from you. All right, next one is from at B underscore Randon underscore. What would be, what would an ideal Trey extension look like? Opt-outs, money, years, et cetera. And love the show. Thank you.
3: That's nice. Appreciate um, you listening. Guy loves the show and you can't even get his Twitter handle name right. Okay. So I, I said this not too long ago, but if they do it this spring, Trey will get seven years for like $22 million. If he hits free agency, he would get four or five years of like 25, 26 AAV. And there will be an opt-out, like, I would say an opt-out after years two, so year three and four, and then you probably have a player option as well. So if they do it this spring, seven years, 22 mil, AV, whatever that math is, hits free agency, four or five years, 25, 26 mil. I mean Just because the- he'd be 30 at that point.
5: The question is ideal Trey extension, so I'm gonna just say four years, $1. eighty million. <laughs> one dollar. <laughs> that would be ideal. One dollar and one penny. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say four years, eighty million would be. You know, I would feel great about that, but it's more likely going to take five. If uh, I mean the fact that story, well, no, Trey's the only shortstop or the best shortstop in his free agent class, right? Yeah.
3: Yes. All the big shortstops are, are this
5: year. This year. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So, year after. so if there is a bidding war, bidding war, it might get up to six years. Um, Cause obviously as we are all too familiar with that extra year really solidifies a contract. If uh, any players, you know, leaning one way or another Um, so it could get up to six years. And like Ryan said, I mean, it could be mid twenties if you really get up there. So, Ideal would definitely be 20, but the the boats kind of sailed on that because the Nats screwed it up.
2: Yeah, I don't think 20 is realistic at this point. I think ideal for the Nats, um, I guess it depends on if you're looking at ideal for the player or ideal for the team. Um, ideal for the team, I think, would be in that four or five range. I'd be fine with five. Um, six is a long contract. You never, you know, that's a long time in the baseball world. You never know what a guy's going to look like six years down the road. But if that's what it took to keep him, I'd be fine with that. And I do think it's gonna be more like low twenties at this point and higher if if it goes to a bidding war. Yep. All right, and one more. We've got at not soto for MVP. Why are birds real? Ryan, I'm gonna let you take this one.
3: So that's actually a really funny question because birds aren't real. In nineteen eighty five, Ronald Reagan killed all the birds with bird killing machines and replaced them with government spies that work for the bourgeoisie. Birds are not real. You have never seen a bird in your lifetime. You're probably thinking to yourself, but that's not true. I see birds on power lines all the time. That's not real. You're seeing drones recharge. And you're like, but birds fly south for the winter. The drones fly back to their labs in Florida to update their iOS. Can confirm. Can confirm. confirm. Yes. So does this mean that since
2: I was alive before 1985, I have seen birds?
3: You have seen birds at one point in your time, but 1985—that's <laughs> <1985, laughs> when that's when the change happened. <laughs> gotcha. And they got—you're like, how do they round them up? That's and a really good question. Go to www.birdsartreal.com and you'll find the clear history mm. and the link between people and clubs and rounding up the birds.
2: Oh, that is a website. I won't be visiting, but I am curious about oh, these best bird best. killing machines is that what they were called the bird
3: killing machines because i would love machines. to yeah. see and what birds that birds was like bourgeoisie. Yep. www.birdsaren'treal.com it'll tell you everything you need to know
5: yeah reagan replaced them all and that's where uh trickle down economics came from
3: yeah. <laughs> you guys didn't even know you were here for a
2: history lesson did you you are welcome
5: but you know that's what we're here for we're here to educate
2: <laughs> all right well on that note i think we're done here you guys got anything else before we go
5: no, that was a perfect way to end it. I'm satisfied. www <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, I can't think of anything more we could add that could top that. So cool. thank you guys, as always, for listening. We appreciate you. Please make sure to follow us all on Twitter. Um, you can find our handles at the at HalfStreetHighHeat account. Check out the website at HalfStreetHighHeat.com and check out the YouTube channel, The Rundown with Half Street High Heat. We will catch up with you in a few days.
5: We also have an article dropping by Matt Holleran tomorrow morning. Be sure to check that out.
4: Later. Cool. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that the commentator who has the causes this past the wall. to see you later. Let's go Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's